the time you would spend doing something you're not good at is an incredible waste of not only your time, but also your potential money as well. Hi, you're listening to season two of Love Life Millennials. Have a listen and enjoy. All right, today I am very excited. I have been wanting to have a conversation with this person and he finally could make it. So I don't want to spend too much time because I have a lot of questions to ask. I will just say from the get-go, hi Jonathan, it's really nice to be here with you. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's a pleasure. This is actually my, um, not my first interview, but this is my first podcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous right now. <laughs> I don't see that. <laughs> so how have you been doing so far? Busy? I'm good. Life has been interesting. Um, a lot of interesting projects right now, and um, life is good. You can't complain. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So a little bit of a background to the listeners. I met Jonathan in a, one of Toastmaster sharing, and he actually gave like really impressive sharing. He was one of the previous individual evaluator winners, so he had definitely made some milestones in terms of our Toastmasters journey. And so I just wanted to know what goes on after that particular segment of his life. Can you tell us a little bit what was your journey in Toastmasters? Sure. I mean, so to go a while back, originally how I got into Toastmasters, I I was tricked. I was lied to. You were tricked. Yeah, I was lied to. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because I was online. I was on a meetup.com and there was uh, this event for business and leadership workshop. Okay. And I was like, business, that's what I need right now. I need some leadership. I need to learn about business. I get there and then there's this huge banner and all these smiling people uh, with the big Toastmasters flag. And I'm like... Well, I don't. I don't want to drink alcohol. Am I going to make so toast for everyone for dinner? I don't get what the Toastmaster actually is. And then so, how they usually trick you is they use deceptive marketing like that. <laughs> and, and leaders are made. Right. And I'm like, okay, I guess so. <clears throat> and then so, get in there, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, they do they do the impromptu speech. Uh, you know, a table topic. You know, impromptu speak, and all of a sudden you get you get launched up there, and you do your thing, and all of a sudden after you do your impromptu speak, even if you did a terrible job, someone says, hey, you're really good, you know, why don't you join us every week? So that was my my first um, introduction to it, and to make a long story short from there, um, CC was competent communicator. Mm-hmm. That was before your current program right now. I finished that in about half a year. I became the president. I entered two contests. The first was the international speech one. I got runner up for impromptu table topics and the international speech. Mm-hmm. Then the next year I entered the uh, evaluation contest and uh, that's when I won district for district 85. I was a district 85 champion mm-hmm. for that. That was in 2017. Um, and then from there to kind of make a long story short, at the time, I was, I was working, but then I, I was kind of looking, looking to transition more into an entrepreneurship kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really happy with my work. I, I've been working in operations and business management and uh, internal trading for uh, a decade in, in the education industry. And during that time in Toastmasters, um, I was coaching a lot of people. And somebody said, "Hey, like, why don't you do this for a job?" I was like, "Do what? Toastmasters?" <laughs> They're like, "No, why don't you charge people for coaching?" And I'm like. Uh, okay, so I started doing that more and more. Eventually, started a company. Um, eventually, started getting more high-end clients. You know, people in Toastmasters became actual corporations and companies, uh, such as Tencent, ByteDance, Carefor. Uh, so I'm proud to say that I'm a Fortune 500 corporate trainer. 
Um, it has a nice ring to it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but at, at the same time, I also, as a way to start promoting my business and my services, um, I started making videos. Right. Um, because at that time, I was in my in my mid twenties, and yeah. corporate trainers are usually a bit older. You know, they, they say when you when you're a corporate trainer, they need two types of experience. One is your actual working and leadership experience, mm-hmm. plus your actual training experience. So if you're 40 years old, that's because you also have like 10 years of leadership experience. And most of them, they're a bit older, these trainers. Um, So I was quite young, um, as you can see from, you know, there's no video here. You can see I still got pimples. (laughs) I'm 33 years old. I still get big pimples on my face. Terrible. But essentially, I started making videos just to promote my services. I wanted to do it to teach and also to get HR's attention. Um, because, you know, usually when you get a client, they want to do like a face-to-face or a phone call. Yeah, yeah. This is just a way to kind of show my style of teaching and what I can do. Um, to make a long story short, that kind of started spiraling and, and turned into uh, more followers, more likes, more comments, more views. And uh, today, I, I am considered, I guess you would say, a, an influencer, KOL in, yeah, in China for... I say communication skills, mostly for English teaching related content and public speaking content as well. Over half a million followers, I think about 600,000. Uh, and uh, nice. yeah, and, and, and going on and uh, monetizing very well. And uh, yeah, we get more into details, but yeah, that's essentially my journey there. And uh, so we're at today. interesting because, yeah, you started off not knowing what you are getting into. Mm. But then I would assume that you actually spend a lot of effort right because otherwise you wouldn't be able to finish that program in half a year and then mm. ended up getting some prizes and getting some achievements so from there on you got launched into doing some corporate <coughs> trainings and now you're a content creator and slash influencer yeah so you, do you see yourself like a someone who's very dedicated to what you're doing <laughs> so here, here's the thing and i think this is I know a lot of people in Toastmasters as well, they, they, this is kind of their aim as well. You know, some people you know, want to make more friends, some people want to find some girlfriends or boyfriends, or, right. <laughs> you know, uh, some people want to just improve themselves. Some people, it's, it's purely a social thing, and you know, other people, they want to you know, promote themselves more. I, I think for me, like, the biggest thing for me was that I was always this guy, outgoing energetic this has just always been who I am but the, the problem is I wasn't sure how to how to really channel it into something yeah. you know and so for me Toastmasters was a way for me to kind of structure it and organize it and, and turn it into something of value and, and whether that was just content like what we're doing right now mm-hmm. or whether it's teaching online or offline or whether it was speaking or you know making videos etc cetera, etc cetera. the thing is though is that I'm not the smartest guy in fact, uh, I'm gonna say something bad. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> okay, sorry, kids, if you heard that. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy. Never have been. I'm not the biggest guy. Uh, not the handsomest guy. But I am. I'm relentless in, in terms of my discipline. I like it. I wanted people to notice me, and because I knew I what I was doing was had value. I just need more people to see it. So in terms of creating video and all these things, and you know, training for companies, I just constantly dedicated myself to that and, and putting that out there. Went through my work or content, and um, because of that, I've just incessantly every incessant that word. <laughs> Anyways, that okay, <laughs> just making sure. And I'm the native speaker, <laughs> but so I, I just every day relentlessly have just been doing that just to kind of make that come true. Yeah, you know? I can see like you've been experiencing with a lot of different platforms. I see on YouTube, Instagram, Bilibili, WeChat, Douyin. Wow, that's like anywhere that you can. All by myself too. 
Yeah. Yeah. So but then, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure.、Um, the thing about creating content, you know, so now it's it's more accessible than ever. You know, creating a piece of video content or audio content. You know, we're going to talk about video today.、Um, originally, I started on WeChat, my WeChat official account, and then from there, I noticed actually there's a lot of different platforms I could do this on. So I started posting on different platforms as well. You know, we we say the the best use of your time is you 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 create one piece of content, but you you make it for you you tailor it for every single channel. You know, because each channel, whether it's Instagram or Weibo or、um, Wasting or doing, their formatting is all a bit different. But you still have that core piece of content. That's a way to be more efficient and save time. So I started doing that, and dude, it took forever. Like, <laughs> just I can't imagine. I mean, to first of all, in the beginning, to shoot, to think of a video, to shoot the video,、yeah. to edit the video, then to you know format it for these different channels and to paste it. This is like for one piece of content would take like a week or, or like forty eight hours for just a one minute thing or, or even more, but just kind of like after doing that for so long, seeing which channels kind of made sense and which ones actually gained traction, eventually I kind of found the channels where I, I could actually make some money or that there would be some good traction from that, and I actually started getting popular there.、Um, they say there's two strategies when it comes to content creation, right? One is you can either blanket. All over,、mm-hmm. or you could just focus specifically on one.、Mm-hmm. So, truthfully, if I would have just focused on one, I probably would have saved myself a lot more time.、Right. Um, but luckily, at that time, I was—I didn't have a full-time job. I was kind of an entrepreneur. I just started, so I had more time to focus on this. So, I focused on a lot of different channels. And eventually, what happened until basically、uh, last year, some channels were doing a lot better than the others, and some the followers were doing better, and some I was actually making more money from ones than others. And because of that,、um, eventually, what happened is that、uh, ByteDance,、yeah, the、uh, TikTok, Douyin here in China,、um, also Junior Tojia, Xigua Shuping,、uh, these are the channels here in China.、Uh, I actually signed exclusivity with them、um, last year, which means、um, one, they have, they have, there's a guaranteed payment they will give me each month, as well as all revenue I generate there is doubled.、Um, but what's in it for them?、Though? Huh? What's in it for them? They it's exclusivity. I can't post on any other channels. Oh, so that's what's in it for them. They essentially cut the legs off of their competitors. <laughs> so,、oh, smart, yeah. so to kind of get back to that, the thing is though is that if I had not really amassed all these followers and content on these other channels, that might not have come. And when that decision came, at the time when I kind of compared to okay, WeChat, Billy Billy, Xiaohongshu,、uh, Little Red Book, I was doing good there, but. I wasn't necessarily making money there,、yeah. and so it was kind of an easy decision for me to kind of go where I'm going right now. But you know, we'll see in two years. So that's the、um, current agreement. So you're saying your experience is just like cascaded into one another, now becoming this huge exclusivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah,、really yeah, cool. yeah. So you're talking about segmenting your content, which、mm-hmm. is really admirable. I mean, yeah. Even for me, just managing one piece of content, putting、yeah. it on one platform every week is、mm-hmm. already such a massive burden. But can we talk a little bit on how you try to curate your content to each platform? What did you discover? Like, for example,、mm-hmm. what is different between Instagram and TikTok? Sure. Sorry, okay. Sorry, Douyin. Yeah.、Um, is your audience more international or local?、Uh, I would say the majority will be international. International.、So、I think that would they would be much more curious to、sure. knowing what's the、okay. environment and culture in China.、So. One of the biggest things I've learned is that. In terms of how to kind of segment your content,、um, so as an example, I'll take two big examples: YouTube, TikTok, and on the China side, TikTok is called Douyin, and、uh, 
apps like platforms like Bilibili or Toutiao or Xiguao Shipping, those are kind of like the YouTubes of China. The really biggest difference is that for short video doing and TikTok, usually the shorter the better. And not necessarily the shorter the better, but the simpler the better. It's all about fast, 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 give me something of value right away and I'm gonna consume it fast. Not only am I gonna consume it fast, I'm immediately after watching yours, I'm going to switch to the next person doing the same exact thing. So probably in like 10 minutes of watching, these people will see like 20 or 30 videos. Um, so that's been really important. And for me, that's been a big challenge, honestly, because for a short video, it's very difficult for me because I have a lot to say. As you can tell, I can't shut up right now. Right? But for long videos, then that's where you can really focus on the longer platforms, go longer, go more into depth and go into more into detail. And then that's important to understand that if you have, let's just say for example, podcasting. Okay, so we're doing a podcast right now. If it were short video, I would turn the subject of podcasting into 30 seconds. I'd say two best interview questions you can ask in a podcast starting now. One, hey, so tell me about your experience. Right? Number two, hey, what do you think about this? And then a quick answer, that's it, done, really. Okay, and you, maybe you give a sample there. But if it were YouTube, longer form, well then, hey everyone, so today I'm gonna talk to you about some great tips on if you're doing a podcast for the first time. And first we're gonna talk about you know the setup, that's the questions, the setting. So more in-depth and more long form. Right, right. Yeah, so that's really the, the challenge between the two. And for some people, separating the two, that the content strategy could be very difficult. Like for me, yeah, for me, I'm more of a long-term, long-form guy, not long-term, long-form guy. Short form has always been kind of an issue for me. Making it shorter is always the hardest thing, right? Right. Well, I mean, even today, and I'm sure a lot of your audience can relate, when you watch YouTube videos, you, like sometimes you don't even realize that these like videos yeah. or ads right before the actual video, they're like five seconds. So this corporation does a five second ad and yeah. you have the idea in your head, oh, okay, it's the same concept. Everything is just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah, yeah. you've been talking about cross-platform, mm -hmm. the difference between Instagram, yeah. sorry, the difference between YouTube and Doing or TikTok. Mm -hmm. But what about cross-culture? Like, sure. Do you see any difference between, let's say, YouTube or Yoku or Bilibili and then Douyin and TikTok, even though they are both they are both essentially the same platform, but they have different users. I, I will always say this, so it's it's easier to gain a following on short video platforms because people are not really being super serious about your content. You know, they they're just looking for a quick fix, literally is what they're looking for. So that's why people will gain hundreds of thousands of followers super easy from that. Whereas on the other platforms, long form ones, it's a fraction of, of the growth you'll have. But the quality of those users a lot because again, these are people that are willing to sit down and, and watch something for five minutes. These are the people that like right now, like this podcast right now, the people that will listen to this entire thing, first of all, are, are, I feel bad for them. <laughs> because I don't, know what, I don't think what I'm saying is, is very interesting. But these people, again, these are, in my opinion, would be considered more quality followers. In this and I don't mean quality in terms of the person, but in terms of the interaction, the engagement they'll give you. Because also too, on these short video platforms, the, the comments you can give, there's only a certain amount of text you can give as well. You can only say two sentences. Whereas on these longer form video platforms, you can write paragraphs essentially. So it's really in that sense, because on one end too, a more quality follower, someone who will engage you more, eventually when you sell something, uh, they're more in, in inclined to potentially give you money in a sense, you know, to buy from you. You're saying that uh, higher quality followers Generally, yeah, because they, they're more invested in the brand, whether that's your channel or who you are. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. 
But what about the audiences themselves? Like, mm-hmm. since you're on YouTube, so you have like an international mm-hmm. fan base. But yeah. You're also big on ByteDance. Right. So you have also Chinese fan base. Right. Do you see any difference between the two? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, so as an example, uh, Douyin. So, Douyin is the Chinese version of TikTok. And Douyin, obviously, it's um, predominantly Chinese people. My TikTok is African people, Middle Eastern, <laughs> uh, Europeans, you know, a lot, a lot of Middle Eastern fans over there and African fans. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, the thing is about my content, so my content is either uh, English related, so learning English related, or public speaking related. And uh, luckily, these two things are quite universal. In terms of, you know, if we're talking about for those creators or people that want to start doing marketing or stuff in China, really the biggest thing is number one, you need to have Chinese characters. You need to actually write Chinese subtitles in your videos because even all Chinese television, even filmed and hosted by Chinese people, there's always subtitles there. That's because everyone's got a different uh, dialect or different accents. It's just the way Chinese media is consumed. Um, in terms of on the international side, it's not necessary, you know, but um, in terms of the difference, not really big, at least for my field specifically. Well, what about in terms of audience engagement? Do mm-hmm. you see like maybe Chinese audiences are more fanatic <laughs> about you? rather than the more international ones, those African guys. It's hard for me to say. I, I think one thing about my Chinese audience, um, I'm Asian. I'm Chinese mixed, essentially, but yeah, I'm predominantly Chinese. And I think one thing for why a lot of my, my Chinese audience really sticks with me as well is because I, we, we look the same. And I, I think in a sense, too, you know, if you're Asian and you're you're learning a language, but then you see someone that looks like you and they're speaking like I do too, I think it's more you're you're more inclined to find. It's just a representation kind of thing too. So it's like you're a hope, right? That you can also be like him. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say hope, but it's more so like if he can do it and he looks like me, then yeah. I think I can do it as well. It's just like the yeah. same, you know, you know, being a kid and, and you know, you know what I mean. I, I, at least for me personally, you know, because my also my my strength as well is that I'm I'm bilingual, yeah. you know. So even though most of my videos are in English, I can speak and write Chinese as well. So for these language learners or these people that want to learn public speaking, for them to like, oh well, what's my excuse? Again, if he can do it, I can do it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a, I mean, I've always thought that mm. foreigners would have an edge on mm. Chinese social media, mm. but maybe it's because of a curious factor. But for you, it's a relatability factor that makes yeah. you. It's also different too because I I'm Chinese but I'm not I wasn't born in China. In terms of like if you have the influencer like in in China where this is a person that the English is their second language but they are Chinese compared to like the the, the foreigner would just say the Caucasian looks like foreigner right. Um, sometimes they will have the edge uh, just because again the curiosity thing it's you know it, it's this is our natural human nature we, we're attracted to things that may seem exotic but we're not used to. Yeah. So you said about making Chinese subtitles, do you have like an app to do it or you also do it manually? I have an editor. So oh, nice. mm-hmm. I think this is really this is really important to say, not only for content creation, but in all for any entrepreneur. And that is if you can afford to have someone else do it for you, do it. Because the time you would spend doing something you're not good at, that's really not worth your time to learn yourself is an incredible waste of not only your time but also your potential money as well. So for me, I used to film my videos, I would listen, transcribe them, and then I would literally do the subtitles myself. And that would mean that a one minute video, this would take hours to do. It is, because I, I do transcription services back in the days. Right, and it's, it's, so what I literally do now is I still transcribe myself, 
what I do is I give my English scripts to my subtitle editor. She's actually based in Malaysia. Um, she does all my video subtitles. I give her the English script. She burns them into the video and they're flawless um, from Chinese to English. And also she, if I want to have the subtitles in different languages or different um, colors and designs, she does all that. And that's important because that has saved me hours of time not like a few hours i'm talking like days worth yeah. of time yeah and, and i think too like you know some people you don't have to do everything yourself it's it's the old you know phrase that you, to make money you guys spend money yeah and that's not necessarily just investment or taking risks that's outsourcing right you, you, if you can afford it outsource and eventually you know it will come back to you, right? But do you think you would make this investment when you just started out? I did. You did? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow, it's like a negative expense every single month. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. You have this long-term vision. Jeff. One of my one of my mentors, he told me this is really important too. Another one, he told me that, for example, like an assistant. He said, only get an assistant when you're like gonna jump off the roof. <laughs> You know, so if you're like, oh, this is too much to do, I'm so busy today, I don't want to do this, then don't do it. But when you're like, I'm gonna kill myself, <laughs> that's when you get the assistant. You're on the edge of the cliff already. Yeah, and so I was doing the subtitles myself so much, but then on top of that, again, the concept of the video, filming it, editing it, listening to it, transcribing it, putting in the subtitles myself, meticulously putting every single word there, then posting it, and then doing my own business as well all my job and and all my other expenses and all my operations i had to do all this admin stuff as well it was a complete waste of time so i after i kind of went crazy enough like i can't do this anymore that's when i outsourced it and i think that's important too because one yes you don't want to you don't want to be reckless with your money obviously you, you have expensive expenses and you got to save as well and be smart but when you're at the point where it's like i can't take this anymore then you gotta look into it because then there's also the aspect of not only your your funding and your money but it's also to your sanity right your your, your energy your chi you know yeah if the engine's not running well right if your health isn't good your mental isn't good you know if you got a lot too much stress you're doing unnecessary dumb stuff well then you're not going to function well right so that's important to think about as well yeah okay i'm gonna ask you a question that I'm sure everyone in this space will encounter sooner or later. Sure. What do you do when you're stuck with content ideas? What do you mean? Like, have you ever been stuck? Like, you don't know what kind of videos to make? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you're like this. <laughs> um, one of the best lessons I've learned so far is just to be myself. Right. And I've noticed that the, the more I'm able to convey my natural self of who I am in my content, whether it's short video, long video, interviews like this, like this is me. Like I'm, this is the type of guy, I can be serious, I can be silly, but I'm, that's, I'm naturally a serious, silly guy. Mm -hmm. So I think for you, the first thing is in terms of the content you wanna create, number one, you need to find out what kind of content do you love to make. That's the thing. If you are trying to capitalize on a trend, but you never really cared about that trend to begin with, you're fake. And eventually what's gonna happen is that you either hate yourself or you'll never get any traction because people people can tell, you know, if you're not being authentic. I mean, people are attracted to your authentic self. That includes haters as well. Yeah. Haters are a good thing. Because the more haters you have on social media, the more traction you get. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you start then your fan base gets bigger and then you become more empowered, right? So that's a good thing, right? But they're hating you because you are your natural self and you accept it and you love that, right? So that's number one. Yeah. yeah. Number two is obviously there has to be some type of 
content that that you know is channeled through that so if you for example right now your passion doing this podcast is you just like to meet people you think are interesting here in China uh, that are uh, you, you admire or whatever you think people your audience might be interested in then that's your that's your content you have your idea right who you are what you want to do and then your vehicle is this type of content like videos and podcasts like this now here's the difficult part the adjustment factor because there also will come a time where like man I've been doing this for like a year now and nobody's watching this so that's where you have to kind of ask yourself okay I'm still going to continue to be me I'm still going to do this type of content but I need to adjust this somehow. Maybe I'm not localizing enough. Maybe the type of people I'm getting on are not that interesting. It's a fair thing to say. You know, for example, people in China are gonna know who I am. Most of your international audience probably doesn't care about who I am. That's the truth, right? Unless they're into Toastmasters. But then how many people are really into Toastmasters? You get what I'm saying? So it's the adjustment factor there, localizing and finding your specific audience. And then from there, really, to keep going. <laughs> So it's not like to work harder, but to work smarter kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there is one important thing. Because a lot of people ask me too. They're like, man, uh, how can I become popular in social media? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just Because I, I've just been doing it for like five years now. Yeah. And it's finally something happened. That's the thing. Your content, eventually, something's going to go viral. Maybe not viral like millions, but something will out of all your content. So one of them, right? One of them is going to do, be doing a lot better than the rest of them. When that happens, if you have nothing else there already, there is nothing else for people to consume. It's just like when you watch something great, a great piece of content on YouTube, or you see like someone's watching a, like a TV show. Like, hey, well, this looks cool. Then you want to watch the whole thing. If you have no catalog of uh, library content ready already when you're kind of screwing yourself. So it really is, again, just the consistency of just keep going, 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 and adjusting in a sense, you know? So you've done it for five years. When did you start, you know, feeling like you're getting that, that traction, you just say? I'd say, to be honest with you, two years ago. So uh, probably in my third year is when I started feeling the traction. How many contents have you made? Hundreds. Hundreds of videos. It's really like a massive yeah. perspective change. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, initially the reason I created content initially was to get to build promotion for my offline business. So I was quite lucky in that sense. And in the sense that you're still able to sustain yourself. Correct, right. And I think that's also another important thing as well. If you're gonna if you're gonna go all in, great. But you better have some money saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, break you, it up. <laughs> if you put all your eggs in one bag, I'm gonna become an influencer and get rich. Yeah, good luck. You know, <laughs> for me, I was quite lucky because when I first became an entrepreneur and I started my training business, I actually had some money saved in the bank. I also my the training gigs that I would get were not every single day. So because of that, I could afford to do all this con to do these things. And then eventually, what would happen is that these videos they would get me more offline business. And then eventually that became more online business and more making money and monetizing through social media. Yeah. Have you ever had like this videos or piece of content that you've created so, so long, but then they just seem to have no views? Yeah. Like how depressing it was for you and how did you try to combat that kind of negative thoughts? Initially, it was very depressing. And I don't think this only applies to content creators, it also applies to the average person as well. Yeah. We're just so addicted to likes. Come, we post something on our Instagram or WeChat moments or whatever, and if we get a like, oh my God, someone like my thing, you know, <laughs> you know, we're just like we're so elated. But then you can imagine that when you get to a certain level where it's it's your business now, you're like that only did that many likes. Oh man, I put so much work into that. Um, my thing is always this: I never pay attention to likes in the comments. What I will do after I post something, I will sit there for 10 minutes or 15 minutes to respond to the first commenters. 
because they deserve that attention. Once I'm done with one piece of content, it's on to the next one, and that's it. No looking back, yeah. Um, and the reason is one is because honestly, over time, it will contribute to my overall success in the sense that my future videos, someone will still go back to the old ones, right? It may not be ever be super popular, but it still exists there, right? It's done. The second thing is if you're so concerned about your numbers and your data, the views and likes, how much did I do? How much, how much did that really do? You're gonna go crazy. Yeah. It's such an emotional downer. It's such an emotional roller coaster. Because if something goes viral, like, oh my god, you're so excited, right? So it's more like you, you put it out there, you put it away, you go on to the next thing. And that's really important too. Yeah, I learned it the hard way too because when I just started doing the podcast and then I spent, especially when I just started, you know, like one podcast, one hour can take me up to eight hours. Now yeah. I've started to cut it down like by half. Right. But when I did eight hours of editing and then... The views like okay then from then on i just uh, did what you did it's yeah. like you know what i don't want to see to the analytics whatever the reports i just want to see what are the demographics like mm -hmm. so i can kind of have the yeah. perception of my audience but yeah. i don't want to see the numbers at all so. but it is an important thing that i did mention i gotta stop saying important crucial. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a crucial it is crucial that you know i did mention earlier that you know you do need to evaluate yeah, to yeah. and adjust to so i do recommend that after a month or a week you can kind of go back and say okay so i did these six videos this last month let's see which one of them which one of them did best and then we can kind of go on from there because there's also another important element as well people following you they want the same thing they like you for that same thing and when you're beginning you might try a lot of different types of content see what sticks in a sense so me after uh, you know five years i've kind of finally figured out my style of where i want to go with it and now every day i try my best to maintain that same style it's the same thing like when you're watching a tv series season two comes you're like what's going this is that they, they, they don't have this actor anymore now there's this this new story arc what's going on i don't like it anymore right <laughs> game of thrones but <laughs> you know like i don't know i don't know what happened there at the end you know i'd say yeah. walking dead as well but anyways yeah it's the same thing too so with your content when people are following you you know eventually you got to stick with one thing that works and once you find that one thing that works that's like people like that you just keep pounding that into the ground you just keep going with that. What if suddenly you got bored with it and you just want to create a brand new content? Well, <laughs> if it's you're like abandon your channel. Well, if you're a business person, that'd be kind of stupid. <laughs> it's what you're asking right now. It's literally like I have this Fortune 500 job, I'm a CEO, but you know what? I want to be a musician. <laughs> so it's the same concept, too. It's like no, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, so now you have like an established channel with yeah. an established fan base. Just say one day mm -hmm. you just got into music and yeah. you just want to make a music channel. Sure. Would you post on your previous channel yeah. and thereby, you know, completely yeah. restructuring their content? Or you, would you, you make a new channel? You've like already that? answered your own question. Yeah. The what you do from there is you start a new channel. Start a new channel. But then <laughs> the yeah, problem yeah, with okay. that everything just starts all over again. No, it's not that. It, that's when you're at a certain part a certain phase where you're doing very well it's actually quite easy to get your current follower base to go to that channel as well oh, but you're like destroying your own brand no 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 so uh, i'll give you an example so for me too most of my con is, is for adults a lot of people message me every day do you have anything for kids my kid likes you a lot blah blah technically i could start a kids channel right now and i could have a lot of people go follow it i could do kids content only over there i don't have time though that's where the oh, issue right. so what you're talking about now it's totally doable but that's where I'm at a phase right now too. I'm a one-man army right now. 
I do all my editing, I do all my, my shooting, I do all my concepts, I do all my own operations, my selling, my business development, blah, blah. Now, if I want to get to another channel, that's where the brand, so my brand, so my brand is me, Jonathan Peng. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts to become a business, where it says, okay, now I need to hire someone. Now I need to hire someone to operate this channel. Now I need to hire someone to edit for me. And that's where essentially then you have these three or four channels and you're like, oh, because maybe the other channel is not necessarily you. Yeah. Maybe I like, hey, I like Andreas interviews. And then that becomes a sub-branch of just under my umbrella. And that's where eventually things start, they don't get tricky, but they, it gets a lot more complicated, right? But if you're just beginning, you just got to focus on one thing, you know? Right. But eventually you want to become a business, then you know, we're talking some big bucks, but it's a lot of work. So we've been talking a lot of values today. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you one final question. Sure. Just like to wrap around everything together. Mm -hmm. If you look back to your journey from the very first start, from your getting tricked into Toastmaster, what do you think you could do better? Like, and what would you have avoided, the, the newbie mistake, we call it? One one thing you did good and one thing you did really bad and you would want to avoid it at all costs. Are you talking about just my... Even from the content From content, the yeah. content perspective. Man, that's a tough question. That's why it's the final question. <laughs> I would have been a lot more organized before, when I used to shoot and edit a video, it would take me hours, days. You know, for a one, a five-minute video would take me a week to shoot, to edit. Luckily now, um, because I just do it so much, I've learned it now. For me to edit a five, for me to shoot and edit a five-minute video to get it ready for social media, I'd say like half a day. Now, oh, yeah, that's a lot of improvement. But that's because I, I, for years I was doing it for years, basically. You know, um, I would say that. I would have become more organized a lot earlier. And what I mean by that is my biggest pressure right now as a creator is to have content ready to go. So right now, as I'm talking to you right now, I have this week's worth of content ready, but there's three videos I still need to edit. And so if, if I already had a month's worth of content ready to go, even if it was just one simple thing, right? But for me, I had to put out a lot of content. If I had a month's worth ready to go for the future, I could be a lot more comfortable. So my pressure is always that to be ready for the future. Oh, so like deadline or something. Right, because again, when you don't post, people unfollow you. They unsubscribe because they. It, it's the same thing as like you're watching your favorite TV show every Sunday, it doesn't come out. What what's going on here? Oh, you, you you cancel your service, you boycott. You know, I hate this. It's the same exact thing, right? So, I would just say just for everything, be more organized. I would learn a lot more from others because I'm, I'm kind of a stubborn guy in a sense where I'll do everything myself. Like I'm still doing everything myself right now. But I, along the way, I've also been um, man enough to put my ego aside and ask people, like, hey man, like, or hey woman, or how could I do this better? What do you think about my content here? And I've had people tell me, your content's trash, it sucks, you know? It hurt because I've been doing it for so long. But then from there, I said, okay, well, you have a lot of followers. You have over a million followers. Can you tell me where, how? And you know, from that, they really tell me like, you gotta be yourself, man. This is not you. And so, yeah, so be more organized and to be you. <laughs> be you, ask for help. Don't be embarrassed or afraid to, to ask for help. And, you know, pick someone's brain, ask them for coffee and don't be embarrassed. You know, put the ego aside and from there adjust too. Because we all think we're great. We all think we're amazing, right? And that's okay, especially in today's social media age, right? We all think we're special. But if we're talking about a business, not everyone is special. That's why some people have a lot more 
followers and likes and other people. I'm not talking about a person's individual value. Obviously, we all have value, right? But I'm talking if you want to do this as a business, not everyone is. And so because of that, you really need to figure out, okay, if that's the path you want to go, what can I do to really improve this? Put the ego away, learn, adjust, be your core self, and keep at it. Another crucial thing yeah. to write down. <laughs> okay. I hope you guys listening have been taking notes because I have been. Jonathan today has really packed out with a lot of lessons. So, um, I think this is the time for you to relax and I will try to summarize what you have shared. I'm going to sit back and listen. <laughs> you know what? At least the biggest takeaway for me today is I got to. First is the techniques. We learned today about the difference between cross platforms and cross audiences and especially for Chinese applications you need to learn how to you know all the subtitle you have to understand the audience what they want and for the delivery part I think Jonathan also tell us to you know just outsource everything if you can so that you can focus on the more important stuff you know you're like the CEO you have the vision but you also need someone to execute and implement your vision and also on the content creation part you know work smarter not harder and let's just be yourself and I love the part where you know Jonathan has done it for five years but it only gained traction in the third year so it really just shows how long-term perspective really matters in this particular space like you can't expect people to just suddenly want to listen to what you have to say but when they do listen to what you have to say you have to make sure that you have something to say which is the part where Jonathan says I also for that part too this was not like this was not like five years like once in a while this was every day intensively which I think is important yeah hundreds and hundreds and yeah I think it's it's like I'm pretty sure you guys have listened to the stories for dozens and dozens of time but I think yeah, that's just really the way you can't just uh, go away with making one video a month and then hoping one day somebody will just pick it up so it's just really about quality sorry it's all about quantity over quality yeah. and with the more quantity you also begin to practice your skill Jonathan used to edit for a week but now he has managed to reduce it for like half a day that's yeah. Let me count it in mathematical sense. <laughs> <laughs> so seven now, that's at least like 800% more efficient. That's good. So, so yeah. Also one is essential thing, not important thing essential too. Thing. At the end of the day as well, and this is really essential. essential. Whatever content you're creating, be you, but make sure there is value for your viewer. And I, and I didn't mention that earlier. They have to have value. And your idea of what value is, is quite different from your viewers. So you really need to step in their shoes and, and really think about what is it that they want. And then once you understand their needs, be you, be the likable, lovable self you are, and then cater to them and give them what they want. And that's at the end of the day, even if it's just five people, those are fine people that are taking their time to support you. Love them, nurture them, take care of them. And in time, they will spread the word and they will give a lot back to you. Perfect, yeah. There was just like a quote I listened to a couple of months ago and that really just completely changed my mind. It was from a guy called Seth Godin. Mm. And he just said, have you ever had this experience where you talk to 20 people and you are trembling, you know, like when you're in Toastmaster doing table topics, mm -hmm. how scared are you to talk to 20 people? And so. Why would you diminish those 20 people who listen or watch your content? Yeah. So you really have to, you know. They're there for you. Everything for you. Yeah, they're there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, Jonathan. Let's do a cheers, even though this is coffee, not alcohol. <laughs> cheers, man. <laughs> Thank you for coming, Jonathan. Thank I you, man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, 
That'll be it for today. I will leave all the descriptions to Jonathan's amazing, amazing content and also to his wonderful subtitle editor. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me or DM him, whatever you want, <laughs> and then we'll try our best to respond. As always, I thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a good day. Have a good weekend and an even better one ahead. Bye-bye. Peace.